You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, last night at dinner, Henry, my seven-year-old, it registered finally. He realized that, he goes, oh no, tomorrow's Sunday. And I said, well, why, why is that bad? And he said, it's our last day of summer, and then I have to start school. And I was trying to be a good dad, and you know, the thing that dad's supposed to do, I'd be like, hey buddy, it's, it's awesome, school's starting, and you're going to learn so much. And then it clicked, I was like, yeah, that stinks. Like, summer's over. And I said, yeah, yeah, that stinks, buddy. Um, and, and I was just honest with him because summer is over. But, uh, but at the same time, I did. We, I said, you know what, though? Guess what we're going to do at church tomorrow? And so I shared a little bit about what you guys are going to experience later on today. And, and I'm super excited about today's service. Uh, about this idea of, of going back to school and what will that look like. And, and leading up to that, we're going to look at a passage today. A passage about loving God, about completely loving God and setting that example and what that looks like. And so if you have your Bibles, open it to Mark. We're going to be in two spots, Mark chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open there. We're going to start in Mark chapter 12. If you have your app, pull it up. If we'll also have it on the screen. But we come into this story where Jesus is in the temple and he's been teaching. And as we followed along when we were going through the book of Mark, you saw that many times the Pharisees would come and they would try to challenge Jesus, right? They would present him with questions to trap him, to trick him into to saying something that would turn away the masses to, to see if they could catch him in a doctrine issue and so forth. And so here you have this, uh, this time where people are coming and trying to trick him. But every once in a while, as we look closely, there will be someone that authentically is coming to Jesus for his wisdom, for his advice, that sees that he's the, the wisest rabbi around because he is the son of God. And they want to find out what he has to say. And this is the situation we have here. We have this guy who's a teacher of the law. This is the, the guy that's the, the smartest person in the room when it comes to, to the scripture. They've been, the teachers of the law would have the whole Hebrew scriptures memorized and, and they would know the ins and outs, every little detail, that if you had a question about anything having to do with scripture, this is the person you would go to. That you would go to them and say, hey, I, I don't understand this one part. Can you explain it to me? What, is, what does it mean here in Isaiah? What does this mean? And this guy would be the one that would have all the answers. And yet he comes to Jesus. He humbles himself. He's the one that other people come to for answers, and he's going now with the questions. And, and to start off, I love that example for all of us, that even at times when we think we have all the answers, we could humble ourselves and come before the Lord and come and, and lay ourselves before him to find out what God has to say. And so this is the, where we step in, Mark chapter 12, verse 28, we meet this in teacher of the law. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
This was a question that was debated among all the, the religious leaders, the rabbis, the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law. They've been debating many questions, right? The, the, when the think tank minds get together, they like to delve into philosophical questions. And, and what about this about God? And what about this character of God? And, and then this was the ultimate question. Which commandment is the most important? This was the question that at that time people were asking each other and when they would gather together and they would have their think tank moments, they would say that this question eventually would come up and everyone would dive into this and debate over this command and this command. At this point, there was over 600 commands that the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders had built on and put on top of the people of God. That these 600 well beyond the 10 that God gave of the 10 commandments are, are now commands of what they need to do or what they need to not do, what to avoid and what, what to do. That there are all these different rules and regulations that they have to live by. 613 of these. And so inevitably people are breaking them and they don't know which one and what, uh, did I make a huge mistake? What if I broke this one? What if I do this one? No, what if I was just to focus on one? What is the one that I need to make sure is the most important? And so he comes and he says, which one? There's 613. Which one is the most important? Jesus replies in verse 29, he says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. At this, the crowd would have been shaking their heads, would have been a nodding agreement because he comes and he shares the Shema. This is called the Shema because it's the first word in Hebrew is hear. The word is Shema. And so it was just simply called the Shema and everyone knew immediately what it was. It was a verse that everyone memorized as little kids, as every little Hebrew child would know the Shema, would know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Just like if you grew up in church at all, you were familiar with John 3.16, right? Or the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. It was these things that was just ingrained, it was just natural. The Shema, everybody knows. Because it's so important, so integral, to the faith of the, of the Jewish people, to the faith of the Christians. Because this idea, this statement, is that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. This is a completely different understanding, a different way of thinking than any nation around them. They were the only monotheistic uh, nation at the time, and the only one that believed in one God, and, and this is the God that we believe in. The, yes, it's the three-in-one God, Son, and the Holy Father, but they are all one. There is one God that the Hebrew people worshipped. And every nation around them turned to them and told them that they were wrong, told them that they were fools. Said, you need a God for fertility. You need a God for your, for your, uh, for your crops. You need a God for the storms. You need a God over death. You need a God over life. You need a God over women, a God over men, a God over this, a God over that. And it was this idea that you had to have all these various gods. And then you have the Jews with one. This idea that you need to have these multiple gods, gods that were reigning over these big things like, like weather and, and crops, and then gods that just reigned over local regions, the city, the neighborhood even. This is something we experienced when we lived in Taiwan. There was uh, God, local gods that they worshipped all over. The two blocks that, between my house and the school I worked at, I passed two god temples. Two different temples for the local neighborhood gods. 
One night we heard a commotion outside our, our little, we had this row of uh, houses that was in the midst of a downtown area, so we had sky rises all over us, and then there was a, basically an alley that they stuck some houses in, and this is where we lived, and we heard this commotion going down our alley. And so we came outside, and it was a parade. And we couldn't believe there was a parade in, 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 right in front of our house, and so we got our two kids, and, and I was watching the video this week. I couldn't get it off our old iPad to be able to bring it and show you, but here's... And Sarah and I and Abby and Isaiah, they're five and three, and we're watching this parade and, and goes by these, and these trucks covered in neon lights and Chinese writing, and then a dragon goes by, and, and then a parade of, of marchers that were clashing cymbals, and then the neighborhood god gets paraded by. They had this little statue uh, on poles, and then they walked by, and they were walking by, and they were chanting, and they were cheering. And at this parade, they're throwing out candy like they do at parades here, and, and my kids are picking up candy, and I'm sitting there telling them, hey, hey, you can't have that candy. Like, th this isn't good candy. This is candy that they've dedicated to, to this neighborhood God. And, and so my kids are going to need counseling, so I've been saving money already. But, um, and so they, they're, it was just a parade for our neighborhood God. They were just praying that he would keep this neighborhood safe that week. And so this was what was going on all around Israel. Yet Israel says there's only one. There's one God. And so of all the commands, 613 commands, Jesus says it begins with this. The Shema, and the Shema is a, a list of several different things that you're to do. But that, the Shema begins with, there's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he continues, verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is our response. This is our command. Because there is one God. You were not created by these various groups of gods. It's not a, a fight over this and, a, and, a, and this one created that. No, there is one God and he created everything we see. He created the, the mountains and the sea. He created the sky, the rain. He created it all and he created you. He created me. And we have a relationship with this one God. It begins with that there's one God and this one God loves us. And so what are we to do in response? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you have your Bibles, flip on over to Deuteronomy. This is what Jesus was quoting when he meets this, and this teacher of the law. He's quoting from the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And chapter 6, verse 4, it'll sound familiar because Jesus quoted it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It continues, verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And Jesus had added, with all your mind. Because he's talking to a teacher of the law. He's talking to one that, that loves the Lord with his mind. And so it's this idea that Jesus is saying is to give your love completely. And so there's these four different areas, right, that Jesus is talking about. And in the, in the Hebrew time, in the Jewish time, it was this idea when it says, love the Lord with all your heart, that would be your whole person. Just everything that you are, that, that overall, your overall being, your demeanor, your character, that you love the Lord with, your, with everything that you are. Your whole character is reflecting that you love the Lord with all your soul. It was this idea of the seat of desire is what they mean by that word. And so what is your desire? Is your desire the things of this world or is your desire the Lord? 
Love the Lord with all your desire to give that to him. With all your strength. It's this idea of force or might. With all your power. It's all your physical connectedness. That everything that you do, that you're physically loving the Lord in some, in some way. As I said, Jesus adds the mind. The seat of understanding. That as you dive into something, that you're, you're loving the Lord with all your mind. And so, as we look at this, this is the greatest command. Jesus says this is the greatest command, is to know that God is one, that God created you, and our response to that is to love him. So how do you love him? What does this scripture look like played out? It's one thing for us to read it and, and just to know it and to be able to rehearse it, and, and that's what every Jewish child could do. But what would it look like for you to live it out? And Gary Chapman has those five love languages, right? And it's something that uh, I sometimes go through with premarital couples, and, and it's a great idea, but here's Jesus' original four love languages. Which one of these is your sweet spot? And just step back and think, which one of these, if you were to say, you know what, this is how I love the Lord. This is how I love the Lord. I love the Lord with all my heart, just with my, with my whole person, with my character. Like who I am, just, I, I am a person that's just loving the Lord and my character comes through, that shines through. Perhaps it's with my, my soul, the seed of desire. That uh, perhaps we need to be able to love the Lord with our, with our whole desire. That at times when other things are getting in your path or getting in your way, that you're correcting it and you're like, no, no, I need to put that aside because I'm going to love the Lord first and foremost. Over, over greed, over money, over, over fame, over any of this, let me love him with my desire that I want to be with him. Perhaps it's with all your strength. This idea of force and might. How could you love the Lord in that way? We, Elliot was talking about sent to serve. I love that Sunday because it's a Sunday that people that just like to do get to love the Lord in that way. That you're painting and you're loving the Lord. You're, you're, uh, uh, you're visiting the elderly, you're loving the Lord. That you're uh, cutting down bushes and you're planting flowers, you're loving the Lord. Physically, you're going out of your way to love the Lord. Or perhaps, as Jesus brings for this teacher of the law, love the Lord with all your mind. Perhaps you're intellectual and you just love to dive in to the scripture. To be able to just dive in and read that. That is great to read other books and then listen to podcasts, but more importantly, to come to his word and love him and see what his word is. But how does that interact in my life? How does that live out? Not just to read it, but to live it. So I ask you, Think about it. Which one is your sweet spot? If you were to love the Lord this week, if you were to say, you know what, this is how I think I best love the Lord. Is it with your mind? Is it, is it in study? Is it in strength? Is it the actual doing? Is it with your psyche? With, with where your desire? Is it with just your whole person, your character, your heart? How do you love the Lord best? How would you do that this week? If this week we were going through this week looking to love the Lord, that this one God loves me so much, my only natural response is to love him. How would you do that? What is your natural inclination? And what's that look like this week to love the Lord with your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind? The passage in Deuteronomy continues, verse 6, it says, These commands I give to you today are to be on your hearts. 
That God has given these commands that this is something for them not to just pass by. This isn't a scripture that we memorize and put aside. This is one that we are going to live. That is to be on our hearts. It doesn't say that often in scripture, to put this on your hearts. But this one, we need to have it on our hearts, which means we need to live this. That this goes with us everywhere we go. That we live and breathe this idea of loving God. What's it look like if you were to love God in, in such a way that whatever that sweet spot is for you, if you're a doer, if you're a thinker, if you're, if you're passionate, if, you're, if, if it's just who you're, your character, what would that look like if this was what you were striving for all the time? That it was on your hearts. It continues, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It comes to this week where we're starting back school, and we're going to do this neat thing here in a little bit in this room. Around the room, you'll see there's names of schools. We have someone connected to each one of these schools on these poster boards. Whether it's a student or a teacher or a parent, somehow there's a connection because there's a lot of children in our area. Perhaps those kids are in your home. Right? Perhaps you're raising the kids and, and you have this opportunity to present this to the children, to impress this to your children. Tell them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, that your kids would be able to see you loving the Lord. How do you love the Lord? And are they seeing that? Are they seeing you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in your home when you're, when you're going to school, when you're interacting with, with them at home? And perhaps, maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you don't have any children, or they're, they've long gone, they've grown, and they're out of the house. I want to tell you, you still have a great influence on the children of this society. The kids watch us when, as we interact. Whether it's at, at our jobs, or at, here at church. Whether it's when you're at a fast food restaurant, and there's that 16-year-old ringing you up. And maybe they get the order slightly wrong. How do you respond? Are you showing them that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength? Are you impressing that among the, um, upon the children? That in your neighborhood when the, you're driving and their basketball rolls out in front of you, what's your response? When the kids watch us. That's what it talks about. This verse tells them, tell them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's saying in your everyday being, the children are watching you. Are you loving the Lord? At your job, at your home, on your breaks, at a funeral, at a wedding, uh, at a party, at a pool, at the beach, on vacation, everywhere that you go. Are you loving the Lord? Because the children are watching. We set an example of what it means to follow the God, the one God who created us and our response is to love him. Are we setting that example? The verse continues. It says, tie them on symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and, and on your gates. It was this idea that you took this, this Shema, this scripture with you everywhere you went. That it would even be on your clothing, that you would put it on the doorpost. That you, when you would walk in your home, you would see this and be reminded, love the Lord your God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I would leave the house, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
It's, it's, uh, there's actually this thing, it's, it's called a mezuzah, and it's this little metal box that, that you can put, that Jewish people will put up on their doorpost. And, and you put it slightly crooked, and, and inside it, you, you have a little piece of scripture written, and it's the Shema, it's a little scroll. And there's a Jewish lady that lived across the street from us, and she had these awful smelling dogs. And so one day, she needed help with the dogs, and Sarah's like, hey, you gotta go help with the dogs. I said, oh, no way, have you smelled those things? And, but Sarah told me that... I was. And so about one minute later, I'm out helping with these smelly dogs. And while I'm doing that, she was talking to the lady and she invited her over for dinner. And so this old lady comes over for dinner and she's sitting with us and she sees our mezuzah on the doorpost. And, you know, Sarah and I are kind of proud. We're like, yeah, yeah, we got that. What? And, and we were kind of impressed. We're hoping that impressed her. And then she pointed out that we had it upside down because we can't speak Hebrew. And, and, so, it, and so we had to take it off and, and flip it right side up. But it's a constant reminder. When I leave through the garage... And I go out into the world, am I going to love the Lord or my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And set that example. When I come home, and I'm with my wife and my kids, am I set an example of loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? So that's my question to you. What does that look like for you this week? What would it look like for you to love the Lord, your God? And what is your sweet spot? What is your sweet way to do that? Perhaps some of you are, are strength people and you just want to get in and find an opportunity this week to love the Lord your God because you know what? Others are watching. Your children or other people's children will be watching and see that example. Perhaps it's in your character. In who you are, are you loving God with just this idea and just you know, this presence that you come that you just know those people that that person loves the Lord. It just shines through them. Perhaps with your, your desire that you make sure that God is your utmost desire or with your mind that you're diving into the word of the Lord. How are we going to love the God, Lord this week? Today's message is intentionally shorter because we got something that I think is more powerful this, later on than anything that I could share with you this morning. But I want to share with you one final verse. Deuteronomy 6, chapter 2. This is what God shares about the command before he gives it. He says that if you follow these, so that you, so that you, your children, and their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. This week, as we go about the week, this is day, maybe this next hour, pursue loving the Lord. So that the children, and there's children's children, and the children's children after them will see this example and will know what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because of what you guys do.